Chapter twenty three of Grace Harlowe's First Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty three Virginia Changes Her Mind. What the vanquished sophomores thought of the trick that had been played on them was a matter for speculation. Once back in Overton, the truth of the situation had dawned upon them. Their common sense told them that real ghosts, if there were any, never congregated in companies the size of the one that had risen to haunt them the previous night. Obviously, someone had overheard their plan to picnic at Hunter's Rock, and treated them to an unwelcome surprise. It did not occur to any one of them until they had returned to their respective houses that they had left J. Alfreda locked in the haunted abode of the two brothers. Then consternation reigned in each sophomore breast. Directly after chapel the next morning, eight young women were to be seen in an anxious group just outside the chapel. Several freshmen and two or three juniors glanced appraisingly at them, then passed on. "'Did you notice the way that Miss Wells looked at me this morning?' muttered Mary Hampton to her satellites. "'Never mind a little thing like that,' snapped Alberta Wicks. "'The question is, where is J. Alfreda? "'If she is still shut up in that house, we might as well go home now instead of waiting to be sent there.' "'Nonsense, Bert,' scoffed one of the sophomores. "'You are nervous. We may not be found out.' "'Found out? J. Alfreda will be raging. "'She'll go straight to the dean the minute she is free. "'Oh, why didn't we think to run back and let her out "'in spite of those ridiculous white figures?' "'What made you lock her in there, then, "'if you were afraid she'd tell?' "'asked one of the others rather sarcastically. "'Yes, that's what I say,' exclaimed a second. "'This affair has been very silly from start to finish.' I'm ashamed of myself for having been drawn into it, and in future you may count me out of any more such stunts. You girls don't understand, declared Alberta Wicks angrily. We only meant to even an old score with the Briggs person. We were going to call for her on the way home, and tell her that we had evened our score. She wouldn't have breathed it to a soul. She knew that we'd make life miserable for her next year if she did. She wouldn't tell a little thing like that, but to leave her there all night— that really was dreadful. Mary and I are in for it, that's certain. If I'm not mistaken, there goes Miss Briggs now, exclaimed a girl who had been idly watching the students as they passed out of the chapel. Where, where? questioned Mary and Alberta together. The sophomore pointed. Yes, it is J. Alfreda, almost wailed Alberta Wicks. I'm going straight back to Stuart Hall and pack my trunk. Come on, Mary. "'Better wait a little,' dryly advised the sophomore who had announced her disapproval of the night's escapade. "'You may be sorry if you don't.' "'Good-bye, girls,' said Deberta abruptly. "'If I hear anything, I'll report to you at once. "'Now that J. Alfreda is among us, we'd better steer clear of one another for a while at least.' She hurried away, followed by Mary Hampton. "'That was my first, and if I get safely out of this, will be my last offence,' said another sophomore firmly. All those who agree with me say I. Five eyes were spoken simultaneously. In the meantime, Grace was trying vainly to make up her mind what to do. Should she go directly to the two mischievous sophomores, revealing the identity of the ghosts, or should she leave them in a quandary as to the outcome of their unwomanly trick? One thing had been decided upon definitely by Grace and her friends. They would tell no tales. Grace could not help thinking that a little anxiety would be the just due of the plotters, and with this idea in mind, determined to do nothing for a time, at least, toward putting them at their ease. But there was one person who had not been asked to remain silent concerning the ghost party, 
and that person was Elfreda. Grace had forgotten to tell her that the night's happenings were to be kept a secret, and when late that afternoon she espied Alberta Wicks and Mary Hampton walking in the direction of Stuart Hall, she pursued them with an air of an avenger. Before they realised her presence, she had begun a furious arraignment of their treachery. "'You ought to be sent home for it,' she concluded savagely, "'and if Grace Harlow wasn't—' "'Grace Harlow!' exclaimed Alberta, turning pale. "'Do you mean to tell me that it was she who planned that ghost party?' "'I shall tell you nothing,' retorted Elfreda. "'I'm sorry I said even that much. "'I want you to understand, though, "'that if you ever try to play a trick on me again, "'I'll see that you are punished for it "'if I have to go down on my knees to the whole faculty "'to get them to give you what you deserve. "'Just remember that, and mind your own business strictly from now on.' "'Turning on her heel, the stout girl marched off, "'leaving the two girls in a state of complete perturbation.' "'Had we better go and see Miss Harlow?' asked Mary Hampton, rather unsteadily. "'The question is, do we care to come back here next year?' returned Alberta grimly. "'I'd like to come back,' said Mary in a low voice. "'Wouldn't you?' "'I don't know,' was the perverse answer. "'I don't wish to humble myself to anyone. "'I'm going to take a chance on her keeping quiet about last night. "'I have an idea she is not a tell-tale. "'If worse comes to worst, there are other colleges you know, Mary.' I thought, perhaps, if we were to go to Miss Harlow, we might straighten out matters and be friends, said Mary, rather hesitatingly. Those girls have nice times together, and they are the cleverest crowd in the freshman class. I am tired of being at swords points with people. Then go over to them by all means, sneered Alberta. Don't trouble yourself about your old friends. They don't count. You know I didn't mean that, Bert, said Mary reproachfully. I won't go near them if you feel so bitter about last night. It was several minutes before Mary succeeded in conciliating her sulky friend. By that time the tiny sprouts of good fellowship that had vainly tried to poke their heads up into the light had been hopelessly blighted by the chilling reception they met with, and Mary had again been won over to Alberta's side. Saturday evening Arlene Thayer entertained the ghost party at Martell's, and Elfreda, to her utter astonishment, was made the guest of honour. During the progress of the dinner, Alberta Wicks, Mary Hampton, and two other sophomores dropped in for ice-cream. By their furtive glances and earnest conversation, it was apparent that they strongly suspected the identity of the avenging spectres. Elfreda's presence, too, confirmed their suspicions. In a spirit of pure mischief, Mabel Ash pulled a leaf from her notebook. Borrowing a pencil, she made an interesting little sketch of two frightened young women fleeing before a band of cheated spectres. Underneath, she wrote, it is sometimes difficult to lay ghosts. Walk warily if you wish to remain unhaunted. This she sent to Alberta Wicks by the waitress. It was passed from hand to hand, and resulted in four young women leaving Martell's without finishing their ice cream. You spoiled their taste for ice cream, Mabel, laughed Frances Martin, glancing at the now vacant table. I imagine they are shaking in their shoes. They did not think that the juniors had taken a hand in things, remarked Constance Filler. Hardly, laughed Helen Burton. Did you see their faces when they read that note? It's really too bad to frighten them so, said Leona Rowe. I don't agree with you, Leona, said Mabel Ash firmly. Her charming face had grown grave. I think that Miss Wicks and Miss Hampton both ought to be sent home. If you will look back a little, you will recollect that these two girls were far from being a credit to their class during their freshman year. I don't like to say unkind things about an Overton girl, 
but those two young women were distinctly trying freshmen, and as far as I can see haven't imbibed an iota of college spirit. Last night's trick, however, was completely overstepping the bounds. If Miss Briggs had been a timid, nervous girl, matters might have resulted quite differently. Then it would have been our duty to report the mischief-makers. I am not sure that we are doing the right thing in withholding what we now know from the faculty, but I am willing to give those girls the benefit of the doubt and remain silent. That is my opinion of the matter too, agreed Grace. It is only a matter of a few days until we shall all have to say good-bye until fall. During vacation certain girls will have plenty of time to think things over, and then they may see matters in an entirely different light. I shouldn't like to think that almost my last act before going home to my mother was to give some girl a dismissal from Overton to take to hers. A brief silence followed Grace's remark. The little speech about her mother had turned the thoughts of the girls homeward. Suddenly Mabel Ash rose from her chair. Here's to our mother's girls. Let's dedicate our best efforts to them and resolve never to lessen their pride in us with failures. When Alfreda, Miriam, Anne and Grace ran up the steps of Wayne Hall at a little before ten o'clock, they were laughing and talking so happily they failed to notice Virginia Gaines, who had been walking directly ahead of them. She had come from Stuart Hall, where, impatient to learn just what had happened the night before, she had gone to see Mary and Alberta. Finding them out, she managed to learn the news from the very girl who had declared herself sorry for her part in the escapade. This particular sophomore, now that the reaction had set in, was loud in her denunciation of the trick, and congratulated Virginia on not being one of those intimately concerned in it. But Virginia, now conscience-stricken, had little to say. She still lingered in the hall as the quartet entered, but they passed her on their way upstairs without speaking, and she finally went to her room wishing, regretfully, that she had been less ready to quarrel with the girls who bade fair to lead their class both in scholarship and popularity. It was a full week afterward when a thoroughly humbled and repentant Virginia, after making sure that Anne was out, knocked one afternoon on Grace's door. "'How do you do, Miss Gaines?' said Grace civilly, but without warmth. "'Won't you come in?' Virginia entered, but refused the chair Grace offered her. "'No, thank you, I'll stand,' she replied. Then in a halting fashion she said, "'Miss Harlow, I am awfully sorry for, for being so hateful all this year.' She stopped, biting her lip, which quivered suspiciously. Grace stared at her caller in amazement. Could it be possible that insolent Virginia Gaines was meekly apologising to her? Then, thoughtful of the other girl's feelings, she smiled and stretched out her hand. "'Don't say anything further about it, Miss Gaines. I hope we shall be friends. One can't have too many, you know, and college is the best place in the world for us to find ourselves.' Come in tonight and have tea and cakes with us after lessons. That is the highest proof of hospitality I can offer at present. I will, promise Virginia. Then impulsively she caught one of Grace's hands in hers. You're the dearest girl, she said, and I'll try to be worthy of your friendship. Please tell the girls I'm sorry. I'll tell them myself tonight. With that she fairly ran from the room, and going to her own shed tears of real contrition. Later it took all Grace's reasoning powers to put Alfreda in a state of mind that verged even slightly on charitable, but after much coaxing she promised to behave with becoming graciousness toward Virginia. Over the tea and cakes the clouds gradually dispersed, and when Virginia went to her room that night, 
after declaring that she had had a perfectly lovely time grace took from her writing-case the note that miriam had found and tore it into small pieces she needed no evidence against virginia End of chapter 23